0: Tokyo Bay.
1: Happy Halloween, everybody, and welcome to episode forty-four of the Kaiju Cast, a monthly podcast. Sorry, that's like back in the day, a podcast one hundred percent dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. I am Kyle, and I'm sitting here with my son Tiger, and we are—he's uh, going to help me out a little bit with this episode because it's the end of October, and uh, this is kind of a crazy time for everybody here in Portland. All of my friends are just, you know. Doing the Halloween thing, I'd be doing the Halloween thing too as well, except for the fact that I just got back from uh, my trip from Asia. Like, oh man, less than forty-eight hours ago, just about forty-eight hours ago, something like that. Um, oh, this is our Ultraman. uh What is it? Ultraman Tiga, Ultraman, Ultraman dina. dina Ultraman Gaia battle in hyperspace. Die Kaiju discussion episode of the Kaiju Cast, and we are going to be talking about that in a little bit, but it of course, is a, is a standard KaijuCast episode in the fact that we're going to play some music. I threw it out on Facebook a few minutes ago, and uh, people wanted to... Not a few minutes ago, a few hours ago. And people wanted to hear the theme song from Ultraman, the original Ultraman, but in English. So that's what we're going to do. This one goes out to Ernest, Sean, Eli, and John, who all wanted to hear this song.
0: We Hey, shut it. transformation. Yabike kowakute dousuru? Ai for you, I'll be strong. Hair Walking, 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 Transformation the i 今日を my I got that I can by
1: Okay, is it over? I'm not familiar with these songs. These are new songs for me. Those Ultraman stuff is really, really outside of my wheelhouse. Uh, although I do love a good Ultraman show every once in a while. Here's uh, here are the songs we just played. We played. We started off actually even before the Kaiju Cast intro with like the little intro from Ultra Q, which is the one that goes, poof, and then after that was uh, the Ultraman theme song in English, which was requested by like I said, Ernest, Sean, Eli, and John. Uh, following that up with the Ultraman, se- the, sorry, the Ultra Seven theme for Dennis, and um, I don't actually know what the closing theme is, but there was a request from Randy to play the closing theme. So then after we played Ultra Seven's theme, it was the Ultraman Nexus theme for Jonathan, and the Ultraman Mabius theme for Kevin, and that was a giant block of Ultra music, and uh, which brings us to our next segment where we're going to talk about an Ultraman film. This is called. Uh, Daikaiju Discussions, and as I say every month for this. <clears throat> Once again, class, it's time for our Daikaiju Discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, solidifying this sh- this show. will keep going for a long, long time. Uh, this month, we're talking about Ultraman... Gaia, Battle in Hyperspace, otherwise known as Ultraman Tiga, Ultraman Dina, Ultraman Gaia, Battle in Hyperspace, which I may have have messed one of those up. Uh, This film was released on DVD by Image Entertainment in 2002. The actual film itself was released in Japan uh, in 1999. And this film is a little bit weird. We'll get into it in just a minute uh, because Tiger and I are literally going to hit pause on this and go watch the film. Uh, But this film is uh, sort of meta, in a sense, before meta was really a, a, a buzzword that people used. This film takes place in our universe, not an Ultraman universe. So, like, Ultraman exists as a television phenomenon, and so... Do you remember this when we watched yes, it before? Yes, I do. Yeah. Like, right, yeah. I'm
2: like, what is this?
1: Okay, so uh, we're going to go and watch the movie right now. and We're going to come back with our thoughts. And uh, we only had one person submit their homework this time, Tiger. So we're going to read his entire submission. So Tiger and I just finished watching this uh, Ultraman movie. And I got to say, I, I remember it a little bit, but this is only the second time I've seen the film. And uh, to be honest... I'm I'm not an Ultraman aficionado, so some of the things in this movie are, are kinda lost on me and I, I I really feel that, you know, that's sort of something that uh that I, I wish I had an Ultraman aficionado here to help me out with. Altogether, I thought it was sort of an enjoyable film and uh I did like the whole aspect where Ultraman is appearing in our universe, you know, not in a place where Ultraman actually exists. Uh and <laughs> As uh, semi-laughable as it was, that whole like Gulliver's Travel thing was was uh, was a rather interesting take. So, Tiger, let's uh, let's let's turn the focus on you for a second. You'd seen this before, like once when I saw it. I think you were very very young, so that it came out in 2002. I must have seen it right after it came out with you. Uh, let's do a little math here. How old would you have been in 2002? It's 2011 now, so that is seven eight years ago
2: wow that's a while ago
1: almost eight years ago i think i'm not exactly sure when it was released but 1998 99 is when the movie came out sorry 2002 is when the the video was released on dvd which is where we would have seen it together so i'm thinking you must have been around four or five at the most so what were your thoughts on this film tagger
2: um it was a pretty good movie um it's just, uh I thought the effects were pretty good. Yes. Cause like just really good. Cause it wasn't all miniatures. There was some CGI put into it.
1: Yeah, I thought that the uh, I thought I thought the CGI for this film, being a 1999 movie, was from Japan, was respectable.
2: Yeah, this is the time when like the Matrix was was made, so a lot of stuff had been created in this at this time period
1: yes a lot a of, lot of good cgi in the world and obviously japan was still ca- catching up but uh if you think of it in terms of like what else was around uh basically you've got you know these these movies the ultraman tiga Dinah, gaia yeah. film and i'm sure they were doing stuff for the tv show which i'm assuming was a gaia tv show
2: there's a gaia tv show
1: i'm not really sure that's the whole thing is i mean there was one on in the movie and um I'm assuming that means there was a Gaia TV show on television at the time. Yeah. In addition to that, 1999 um, was also the year that Gamera 3 came out, which was an amazing movie. Uh, And uh, also, eventually, Godzilla 2000 came out that year. And just before, in 1998, we saw Mothra 3, the subtitle Escapes Me. (laughs) so what did you think of the monsters themselves I
2: thought they looked actually really cool yeah
1: you know Ultraman it's Subaraya they have a really long history of making monsters so they're not like I think that Subaraya does a really great job of coming up with imaginative new looks
2: yeah like some of the monsters I love in Ultra Q Mm, some some of them I kind of like better than monsters from Godzilla films in general, like, some of them are just bizarre looking. They, they look really cool.
1: Yeah, I think that Subaraya, like, in general, I don't have very many Ultraman toys. I have a, a handful of Ultra cute Q, Q stuff. And, of course, there's some crossover there. Um, I really I really think that they have a good handle on how to make a new monster. And I would almost think that, you know, if you want to create a brand-new monster for Godzilla, maybe go to some of the guys from Subaraya who do some of the conceptual creature design as well.
2: Yeah, they they know how to make a monster.
1: Yeah, they've been doing it for a long time. So let's talk about the the individual monsters. Um, there's the first the first monster we saw, is called uh, let's see what it says, Satan Biesor or Biesor. Yeah, which the guy with the yellow strip yeah the little guy. yellow strip down his front and uh he kind of reminds me a little bit of Bolton because he laughs like that <laughs> <laughs> and also um, Bolton's from the uh, original Ultraman series with the claw hands oh uh, oh i don't know and uh kind of like a mix between him and other um seijin which is like i guess alien uh in japanese so uh, there's there is another one whose name is escaping me from Ultra Q, uh, and anyway, so he just sort of seemed like an alien st- style, where it's like humanoid up to a point, and then there's like a, something weird about his head. And he had those weird like Wolverine claws <laughs> that sort of extended it out.
2: Yeah, those those were pretty much Wolverine claws.
1: It I, was weird how that the bad guy kid the bully. Like yeah. he knew everything about the Satan Beezer monster.
2: Yeah, that kid was evil.
1: He was evil, but you know he saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, sorry, saw the light at the end of the movie. I'm still a little loopy from uh from being jet lagged from my trip. So let's uh let's move along to King of Mons, which is actually King of Monsters shortened. So it's like I pretty pretty sure the the kid actually said. King of the monsters.
2: I think it was like King of Coon.
1: No, Mons. Uh, <laughs> they like they King. took off the turds at the uh, end. Just, it was just King of Mons. Uh, um, yeah. He was pretty cool looking. I liked how, yeah. I liked how his wings uh, could never actually be functional wings. They were just kind of like the gold outlines, and I really liked how the kids sort of like built them up in clay first. Yeah, I like thought that was creative. Combine them to make the better one.
2: I like how when like it takes damage it will like split into two different monsters. Yes. And the I two different was-
1: monsters, which we never heard their names in the, in the movie that I saw, uh, never saw their names in the movie. We watched the subtitled version of this movie. Uh, the, was Bajiris, which is the winged monster that sort of has uh pinchers like a, a praying mantis and Cilia or Cilia, which was an amphibious looking creature. Hmm. And, um, I didn't say this while we were watching the movie, but I thought that when they split, they made that split, they kind of looked a little bit like Muppets in the head. (laughs) So I could see like Jim Henson company producing those. They didn't though. They weren't of course Muppets. So, um, and then of course there was the biggest bad guy of them all, at least so we thought until the very end was the ball. Yeah. And And the ball. And (laughs) then
2: Cliff and then... um,
1: then the ball, of course, turned out to not be a bad guy at all.
2: It was really just a girl thing.
1: Tiger, have you ever heard of a story called The Monkey's Paw? Uh, no. Okay, The Monkey's Paw is a story where this guy gets this, uh, I don't even know how to say it, he goes to a marketplace and gets a monkey's paw, and the monkey's paw is supposed to grant wishes, but the wishes that it grants are laced with evil. So um, there's a hilarious Simpsons episode, like a Halloween episode, where uh, Homer wishes for, you know, people wish for things and it's like, they get the wish, like, I wish I was rich. Well, they're, they're rich, but everybody hates them. <laughs> and, uh, Homer, Homer wishes for a Turkey sandwich and like gives, gives the monkey spots. all this, like all these crazy details, like, and I don't want it to be an evil sandwich, <laughs> and, you know? And then like, he gets it and he's eating it. He goes like, okay, everything's here. The Turkey's a little dry. <gasps> The turkey's a little dry. And it was just, I don't know. Monkey's Paw is a classic tale. Uh, anyway, this movie sort of reminded me a little bit of the Monkey's Paw and the fact that, um, you know, the kid wished for to meet Gamu, who was Ultraman Gaia. Sorry. <laughs> and um, because he did that, like Ultraman wasn't in his own universe and wasn't as powerful and got like kind of... Uh, A little more beaten down than he should have. And then, uh, of course, that sort of quickly changed when the bad, the bully, the bully got a hold of the ball.
2: You know, the whole monkey pot thing just reminded me of something. The whole thing with the ball. Because there's a part in, when when did Dark Fantasy come out?
1: Oh, Dark Fantasy was much later. Dark Fantasy, I believe, was 2004, 2005, something like that.
2: Okay, well... There. Do you remember the episode where there's like this person, and she buys like this. There's this girl who like buys this doll from a store, and the doll is is one of those things. You get three wishes, but one of them does something bad to you. He she wishes for this guy to like, her, to like her, but but so she saves him from about to get from about to run into a crosswalk. while the walking thing says don't cross and then but then a car hits a lady
1: oh okay So she has a broken arm yeah that's sort of like a, that's sort of monkey's paw ish yeah and speaking of of relating stories there we did talk about that we we don't know exactly which one this is but we did talk about how we recognize that the basic story of there's a a ball and it gives you what you wish for there is an ultraman story from the original ultraman series that sort of has the same thing and um that's actually what one of my favorite monsters is from is uh is the um is this this uh ball or this thing that generates your wishes and it's a a guy who wishes for this monster to be created and he's he's a really cool looking monster
2: yeah and then also in that episode if you like forget about it it'll
1: go away uh, the the dark fantasy episode or the Ultraman episode? The Ultraman episode. Okay, right on. Well, we're gonna go ahead and move on to things we liked about this film. Um, what did you like most about this movie, Tiger?
2: Um, I did like how um at the end it kind of sh- uh showed. Oh look, finally there is Tiga and Dinah. Okay. It wasn't just that one guy.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they included. All three of the Ultramen. I don't know if they exist in their same universe in the TV show because yeah. I now that we've seen the Ultra Galaxy film, we know that there's a world where you know all these Ultra characters are. Um, but this is obviously a newer thing. I don't know how how old that um, show. Well, I know I don't know how old this show is, but I don't know how old the um, the concept that there are many different Ultramen on, many, on this one world. I think it's called M seventy eight. Not sure. Anyway, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. I like, again, I like the digital effects. I thought they were pretty good. Um, A lot better than I actually expected them to be when I found out this was a a movie from 1999. Mm -hmm. But I I think the thing I liked most of all was that it was set in our universe. It wasn't something that's, you know, I kind of felt like you didn't have to know a lot about Ultraman in order to just enjoy the film.
2: Yeah, whenever you see, like, when uh, like, f probably I'm sure at first you're like, okay, it's gonna be another old man film, but then you see the turn TV, turn off, and it's like, oh, something new. This is our universe.
1: Yeah, and then uh, the the scene where he goes into the toy store, and yeah. the guy like does the double take, looking at the poster and looking at Gamu. That was that was pretty hilarious.
2: Yeah, and ha- it could have been an actor. You never know.
1: Right. It could have been the the actor. The actor from the film. So uh or from the T V show. So, um what did what didn't you like about this movie?
2: Um, I thought it was really weird that how did they how did they know that there was this guy called Ultraman and he just um come and well I, I guess that there is an alternate universe. So it's supposed to be kinda like Goldverse Travels. Well, t- they're using Goldverse Travels as a
1: like, sort of a guide. Yeah,
2: sort of a guide. Um,
1: the concept that Gulliver's Travels is sort of what sparked uh love for...
2: Physics or something? What,
1: astrophysics, I think it was. Quantum or physics? Quantum physics, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know how far of a reach that is or if it's dead on or, or any of that. I've never heard of uh, Gulliver being an interdimensional traveler. But hey, you know, yeah. it could be. Uh, you never know. Um, I think that the biggest qualm I have with this film uh, is it just sort of seems like it's uh, there's no real clear message at at the end of the film. I mean, it could be don't be selfish. It could don't be, be greedy. don't yeah don't be greedy. Uh, which I guess is sort of the overall <laughs> the overarching theme in the film. But uh, j- the idea that it was it was sort of clear and then it got all muddy when when the ball turned out to be Lisa. Spoiler alert! Obviously, right. don't listen to this this episode if you haven't watched the film. Um, regardless, though, I really I found the film enjoyable. It was it's an Ultraman film, so I don't I don't think I really hold it up to the high standards that I do the Godzilla films um, because these these films essentially are extensions of a television show, a television show that's produced on a weekly ish basis, and um, you know I just kind of don't feel that I need to, you know, hold this up to the same light and say, let's compare Godzilla 1954 to Ultraman Gaia Battle in Hyperspace. I just don't think that would be really fair.
0: Yeah.
1: So, uh, you know, final thoughts of the of the film here. I think uh this is one that I would show to somebody, but I would I would have to kind of say, by the way, this this is what an Ultraman film is like.
2: Yeah. It's not the worst movie ever.
1: It's not the worst Ultraman film. It's not the best. It's not the best, it's um, like, uh, but yeah, it's somewhere in there. Somewhere in there, it's not terrible, but yeah. it's a, it's a probably decent for somebody coming in who hasn't ever seen an Ultraman film before. Although they might be a little confused. I was confused at why there was a costume change in the middle of the yeah, film. Yeah, I
2: don't know. And he's still low on battery.
1: The middle of the battle. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, and that's you know the the battery thing. That's the the, the like little yeah, blinker like, oh, on the no, chest. I'm that's something that sort of I, I feel is sort of a downfall with the Ultraman series in general. It seems kind of like there's a basic plot: a uh, monster comes to town, Ultraman shows up, monster and Ultraman ba- battle, Ultraman's battery blinker thing starts going off, and then he has to perform some finishing move. Yeah, and and, and then he wins.
2: Yeah, I, what I was thinking was like, maybe I was thinking, well, while I was watching that film, I'm like, oh, someone should make a toy where, he t- where it's an electronic Ultraman. And it's just, it's just a regular toy and it runs up batteries. And when it's on battery, it blinks it red.
1: That actually sounds like something they probably have not made, but you know, they're the Japanese and I would not put it past them. Um, so would you show this to one of your friends who had never seen an Ultraman film before? Maybe. Maybe? Okay. probably. Probably not, yeah. (laughs) All right, well, I think we're going to go ahead and move on. Thank you, Tiger, for uh, talking with me about the movie and to all the listeners out there. My pleasure. And um, we're going to read the only person who has replied to this month's Daikaiju discussion. This is Stephen Schilling. And uh, I'm just going to read his whole thing. He says, I saw this ultra flick at G-Fest this year and was thoroughly surprised at how much I enjoyed it. While not as much fun for me as the DVDs of the original series, it had enough in it for me to recommend it to fans. I was also pleased that it was not as geared to kids as I thought it might be. I kind of disagree, but maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, he says the plot was fun. It involved practically every monster from the series and almost every Ultra, if not every Ultra. What I liked about it was the more serious plot, the visual effects moving from into modern era pretty effectively. Seeing Hayata as an older man living out in space, not the planet of light. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. Hayata? What movie is he talking about here? Yeah. Uh okay. So this is weird, but this is not the right movie <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> see guys in general I don't really read your reviews before I start reading them on the show so I'm gonna leave that all in just to sort of be a little weird and because uh, I'm not feeling like a lot of editing this week uh this for this episode but um I think actually Stephen you're talking about a different film here so that means we got we got uh no, no reviews no homework turned in from anybody
2: Whomp, whomp, whomp,
1: Failure whomp. in this class. Oh, you guys! I can't grant an extension. So, unfortunately, Stephen, that is um that is not the same movie, and that kind of, kind of bums me out because I was hoping we'd have at least one person who submitted this. And of course, this means I don't really read your reviews before I start uh, digging into them for the for the episode. Now, having said that, uh, I think my review still stands, and um, this says. Steven says he saw this at G-Fest, which is obviously not the not the right film. I think you're talking about the most recent Ultraman films because you're mentioning things about CGI effects and having almost every Ultra, if not every Ultra, uh, and Hayata living in space. And so I'm sort of thinking you're talking about the, um, uh, what was that, the Ultra Galaxy film that came out, the one that James Bonney did a review of. But anyway, I think uh, we're going to move on. Don't forget, the next month, we're watching the Heisei film, Godzilla vs. Mothra, from 1992. I expect there to be a lot of homework being turned in for this, so uh, try and keep it brief, you guys. Because I'm sure we're going to have a packed house here as well, because that's um, one of my favorite Godzilla films from the Heisei era. Even though it's got some silly stuff, it has like pretty much the best monster in the entire Heisei series, Batra. So, um, uh, if you are going to do that homework for Godzilla versus Mothra for the month of November, make sure you turn your homework in before the last week of the month. I'm just going to go ahead and check out the calendar here, here and tell you exactly when you should turn in that that buy. That would be November, t- 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 turn your homework in before November 27th, and I will include that in the Daikaiju discussions. Make sure you subject your your email with Daikaiju Discussions so I can easily find it because um, I've been getting a ton of email as of late. Now, having said all that good stuff, I think we're going to go into a little bit of Godzilla news.
0: United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The
1: armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan okay so news from japan really not too much on the on the front this this uh month i guess technically destroy all monsters came out on blu-ray and dvd but unfortunately i don't have mine yet supposedly it was supposed to have been delivered uh while i was gone and out of town but i'm i'm sort of seeing a lot of people online who are reporting that they do not have their dvd yet um Amazon is reporting that it's not going to get shipped to like, sometime in uh, November. And, uh, yeah, I haven't heard from anybody who's gotten it yet. As soon as I know about it, uh, I'll uh, post it on the Facebook page or something. But that is pretty much the only news uh, out there for this uh, time period. If you didn't see it before, Gojira and Godzilla King of the Monsters is going to be released on Blu-ray by the Criterion Collection. <laughs> and uh, that should also be a, a good... Uh, a good option for those who want to show people the movie that started it all. I'll have a link in the show notes to the Criterion page like I did for the last episode, and I'll also have a link in the show notes to a Sci-Fi Japan article about Destroy All Monsters. You should also know that uh, on Sci-Fi Japan's Facebook page, Keith posted sort of like a preview image for the Godzilla vs. Megalon DVD, but that doesn't really show too much. And I think we're going to just go ahead and move on to local events as always on every other tuesday the McMinniman school hosts geek trivia night with court and Fatboy, boy that's hosted by things from another world that's going to be tuesday the 1st and the 15th and of course the 29th all in november lots of uh lots of things there and um tiger's actually been going to the last several or last few geek trivias one time he was on our team had a good time on our team, right? Yeah, it's pretty fun. And uh, last time you went with your mom, and you you got to play for a while. You got to play on your own team. That,
2: yeah,
1: got the chick from *Check in the Park*, in the Park*. The chick from Trek in the Park*, Dana. <laughs> nice. Uh, and anyway, so they are. Um, that that's a good time. Starts at seven o'clock. Get there early, of course, and uh, get yourself some food and drink, and uh, partake in one of the funnest pub quizzes ever. Uh, let's see. Also, we also have, um, John Hodgman is going to be at the Baghdad theater, which I'm going to miss. That is not going to be awesome. Uh, Amanda Palmer and Neil Gaiman are going to be at the Aladdin theater on the 8th of November. Ooh, that's cool. That is cool. Although I'm pretty sure that is sold out. Uh, last time I was going to mention the, uh, the Nerdist podcast recording, at the uh, Aladdin Theater on the 22nd, but because the uh, the episode went online on the 20 something 5th, 6th, 7th, something stupid, because uh, it took me a long time to post it, uh, I actually edited that out. Uh, but Nerdist author Chris Hardwick from the Nerdist podcast will be back in Portland and signing his book at Powell's City of Books at 7:30 p.m. On November 9th, I am definitely gonna go. I'm definitely gonna get his book, and um, I really wish that I had been there to see the show. Hey, actually, if you didn't go see the show, they just posted that episode on uh, on their page. So if you wanted to see, hear Portland cheering for uh, cheering for those guys and laughing along with what they say, you could definitely do that. On November eleventh, Court and Fat Boy are showing Spinal Tap at the, uh, Baghdad theater for the midnight movie. Um, a little excited for this movie cause I've haven't seen it in ages and I've never seen it in the theater before. So that is, uh, starting at like 11 PM on November 11th, making it 11, 11, 11. <laughs> uh-huh, I get to turn it up to 11. It goes, goes to 11. Oh yeah, this is that documentary. Yeah, so uh mocky rockumentary, rocky mockumentary, something. Anyway, this is Spinal Tap showing on November 11th at 11 p.m. at the Baghdad Theater. Uh, also, the next night, no, Saturday, November 12th, there's a ton of stuff going on. The Swashbucklers Ball, which is a uh, PDX Yars uh, fundraiser, I suppose you could say, is going to be. St- yeah, it's going to start at 7 p.m. Uh, also at 7 PM things from another world on Sandy Boulevard, the Hollywood district here in Portland, they're going to be, uh, having the creators of their valve comics are going to be there. I'm sure that means, yep. Michael Avon aiming, Andrea Wickland, Ted Kosmatka, and Bay rate are all going to be there. It's free to the public, free food. And if you have ID, tell it, saying that you are over 21, free beer. They say Things for Another World welcomes creators from video game giant Valve Games. And uh, they have done a whole bunch of like web comics, basically. And I guess they're putting them together in a collection.
2: That's awesome, because I read Sacrifice. And it was really good.
1: Yeah? You liked Sacrifice?
2: Did you read it? Uh,
1: I don't think so. I think I've only read one of uh, Aiming's uh, entries to the... Team Fortress universe. So it says for 15 years, valve has divined, defined the cutting edge of video games. Now valve joins dark horse comics to bring three criti- critically acclaimed fan favorite series to print in a hardcover collection of comics based on left for dead team fortress and portal with more than 200 pages of story. Valve presents the sacrifice and other steam powered stories is a must read for fans to further explore the games they love or comic readers interested in dipping their toes into new mythos. And that same night, November 12th, at 8 p.m. at the Ella Street Social Club, Portland's very own Alter Ego Society is hosting their fifth annual Hero Villain Ceasefire. This is a uh, 21 and over event where you have to wear your own costume that you make. Otherwise, you will be mocked by the uh, Alter Ego Society, both villains and heroes alike. It's sponsored by Bridge City Comics, thingsforanotherworld.com, or tifa.com I guess I should say. Ground Control, Guardian Games, Sock Dreams, and Cacophonous Creations. It is a benefit for PAIR, uh, which is the charity that the Alter Ego Society, uh, they do their, their fundraisers for them. Uh, once again, that is at the Ella Street Social Club, November 12th at 8 p.m., Oh, they'll also have uh, music by Robot Uprise and the Double Clicks. That's cool. Yeah, Aaron's getting some more uh, music. That's mm. cool. I really liked his music.
2: So basically, if you show up as Superman, they will laugh at you.
1: Yeah, they'll make fun of you. So don't do that. Make up your own your own creation. Um, I I've got the name for mine now.
2: What's
1: it called? It's uh, I'm gonna get one of those little um elastic bands that holds on a an animal nose. I'm gonna get a beak. And I'm gonna be called the Gray Goose. Yeah,
2: <laughs> the Great Gonzo.
1: Now just the Gray Goose. What? And uh, so the next day, October 13th. You know, if October 12th wasn't busy enough for you, October 13th is the Portland Comic Book Show. Ooh. Yeah, and so we'll be going to that, I'm sure, and uh, seeing our good friends and you know the 501st and the Rebel Legion and and what have you. Trying to get some stuff signed from some people. Maybe maybe I'll bring my messenger bag of signatures. And last but not least, on November 18th at Floating World Comics at 6 p.m., judging at 7.30 p.m., this is an event called Captain Picard Day.
0: I don't see why we have to do this every year. I thought that last year the teachers had agreed that they wouldn't do this anymore. Captain Picard Day is one of the children's favorite school activities. They look forward to it all year. Why does it have to be me? Because you're the captain and they look up to you. You're a role model for them. Well, they seem to have a somewhat exaggerated impression of me. I don't know. I think the resemblance is rather striking. Wouldn't you agree, number one? Isn't there something else you have to do? I'll be on the bridge. Well, The finalists will be here in half an hour. You have to pick a first, second, and third place, and four honorable mentions. Work the Captain. Incoming transmission from Admiral Blackwell. It is coded priority one. Put it through, Mr. Wolf. Excuse me, Counselor.
1: Here's the idea. A bunch of people gather at Floating World Comics with some awesome Captain Picard-themed art that they made. Captain Picard paintings, Captain Picard sculptures, Captain Picard interpretive dances. Then... They stand around saying, holy crap, this is great. What a wonderful world I live in that there is this much Captain Picard-themed art. Afterwards, the winners will be invited to have their works put on display, and if they want, for sale at Floating World Comics. And I think that's about as good a place to end our local events as possible. Uh, big, big uh, announcement news here, folks. I really wanted to take some time and thank everybody once again for entering the feel the impact contest. It was a great contest and I hope everybody had a really good time, uh, who submitted the pictures, taking those photos and anybody who voted had a good time checking them out. It was uh, a lot of fun for me to come up with the, with the concept from impact merchandising. Don't forget if you want to go to their website, I'll have a link in the show notes to, to both the gallery and of course their own website. So you can see all of the cool Godzilla shirts that they make. Uh, but it is time to announce the winners. Drum roll, please. Okay, here we go. Please offer some major congratulations to our grand prize winner, Derek Hendricks of Sewanee, Georgia, with a whopping 356 votes for his photo of him being attacked by his kaiju toys. Well done, sir. Coming up in second place with 319 votes is Kevin DeAntonio from... Oakland, California, and in third place, Adam Armour from Tupelo, Mississippi, with 207 votes. I'm gonna have all those uh, vote results on the website. And uh, again, thank you guys all so much. Thank you, Impact Merchandising, for helping out with the contest. And I think we're gonna do another contest pretty soon. Our next uh, our next episode is not gonna have a contest, but be listening in December because we're gonna actually try and do a live show. And uh, we'll be giving away some stuff from Things from Another World. And Adam, uh, Adam the Crab, or Bosch the Crab, excuse me, Adam from the Monster Project gave us some CDs. And we're going to have some other stuff to give away too. That's about everything I got on my end. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it was a little bit short in in terms of user reviews. But uh, again, make sure if you want to submit your homework for the 1992 Godzilla vs. Mothra that you send in your thoughts, questions, and reviews to controller at KaijuCast.com before the 27th of November. And I will make sure to include them in that episode. And as I always say here, if you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, and you want to experience all there is to experience about the KaijuCast, the glory, as it were, of KaijuCast.com, just point your web browsers there. You can see every single episode we've done, every single posting we've done. Vote in the polls, which I really need to post a new one up there. Um, i got to dig back into my email to try and find one of the older ones. Uh, There are also links to the Facebook page and the Twitter pages, uh, which are also easy to get to, facebook.com slash kaijucast, twitter.com slash kaijucast. A lot of discussion does happen on the Facebook page in between the episodes. Uh, Speaking of episodes, the next one is going to be... All about my trip to Japan. So hopefully I'm going to be having uh, both Heather and Jeff uh, join me in the studio this next month or this next episode. And we're going to kind of just boil down everything that, uh, that happened to me when I went to Japan for my one personal day. And then the rest of the days I'll kind of uh, sprinkle some of that in there too. That should be sort of in the beginning-ish of November. need to space things out a little bit because this episode's coming in way too close to my my last one. If you want to send me an email and kind of just tell me what you're thinking about the show, maybe talk a little bit about Godzilla, you're free to do that. Controller at kaijucast.com is how you get in touch with me. So we are going to close the show out with one last Ultraman-ish song here. We're going to play the Surf Coasters version of of the Ultra Q theme song. Don't forget to join us next month for that uh, Japan Distilled episode. And uh, I think that's about it. Tiger, what do we say when we close the show here? Yamata. Yamata!